Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Upfront and Unfiltered podcast. I apologise for the little break, life's been a bit busy, so happy new year to everyone. I'm your host Dean Turton and this week I've got a former goalkeeper from Laxey, Onken, Pulley and St George's. He's now traded his gloves in for a whistle and climbed the ranks to become one of the island's top referees on the island. So please welcome Rob Slinger. So Rob, your journey from in between the sticks to officiating. It's good to have you on. How are you, mate? I'm good. Looking forward to this, obviously. And I'm just busy with work and obviously irritating people on a Saturday. Well, that's this what you get paid to do that though, don't you know? You don't have to you don't have to do it for free anymore, mate. Maybe millions with thirty five pounds now this season. I know, I know. New house soon, will it? It will be card a lot. That's it, mate. That's it. So Rob, we'll start off like I do with everyone, mate. What got you into football in the first place? Literally when I was about five or six years old, my dad used to take us down the park playing football and my dad was into football when he was younger. It followed on from there being in local youth setups similar to like Onkin. We used to go down local Astro to play and my dad used to follow us down there. And it was really that up until about the age of eight, nine that I got asked to go along to Crow Alexander Academy where going through I decided that I wanted to be a goalkeeper because my dad was a goalkeeper, played um, at amateur, semi-pro level. So I thought I'd follow after my dad because my dad was a massive inspiration through my life. Through Crew Academy, I was able to play with quite a few professional players that have played now and have since retired. And I got to the age of, I think, about 12 where you go to high school and you adventure to your your local teams and playing Sunday league and obviously carrying on with Crew Academy with lads from my school. It was good, enjoyable. I obviously got told at the age of 14 that I was never going to make it as a goalkeeper as my height. At at that level? Yeah, because my height, obviously, as half the island man know, that are interested in football, that I'm not of the, I'm vertically challenged. I'm the tallest in my family. But I'm vertically challenged. So I carried on with them. They were able to let me stay on and be around because just in case there was a progression, a growth spurt or anything like that, and I never got offered a contract. So I decided I didn't want to hang around. I wasn't the same number I am now when I was younger. I brought up in a Catholic family and it was all prim and proper. Everyone was nice. Dad was working for the police. Mum was a nurse. We were... Well, I'd swear at home. Please and thank you after everything. Yeah, it was everything. Like, my family are polar opposite to me. So, 16, it was to leave school. What do you want to do? And it was a case of, ah, fuck it, I'm going to the army. So, I joined the army at the age of 16. On my CV was obviously Crew Alex. So, I ended up joining the Cheshire Regiment, who were currently the, the league champions of the army. Yeah. I played in the league in Cup for them. Played for AFC... Harrogate Foundation College, which was the Army Foundation College. I played football for them. In goal, I played for my regiment, which my regiment would play against a lot of big teams, which at 18, the day after my 18th birthday, I flew out to Iraq. And a part of our R&R out there was to play against the Iraq international team in Qatar. So I was able to play against Iraq. I played against like San Marino. But being in the Army, it wasn't really the height that became... My advantage, my attitude became my advantage because it was just being that little bit unhinged, yeah. able to 
develop yeah. Yeah, yeah. into the monk, as it was. And the army did me well. Unfortunately, I, when I was in Iraq, I'd had to be involved in situations where the use, being in the infantry, the use of my weapon was used quite a lot. I lost two of my good friends right in front of me where I've had to try and save their lives. I got severe PTSD and I was also hitting two IEDs, which then forced a medical discharge with sciatic nerve was supposedly damaged. There was a load of injuries I got and also with the PTSD was a massive effect that I suffer still to this day with that's my moves up and down. You don't know, it's combat syndrome as they call it, where you're one minute you're fine, next minute you're not, it's up and down, erratic. I literally, after that, came here for the Isle of Man. My brother was living here. I came here for a two-week holiday. And I was running one night along the prom. I came up some hill. And I noticed a lad cutting the pitch at Old Boys. Yeah. A tank it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, what do you play as He said, oh, Old Boys. I said, oh, I just left the army. And I'm trying to sort myself out and get sorted and everything. He said, oh, come down in, play footy. I'll have a laugh down here. And I was introduced to Mike's football through Old Boys. Well, <laughs> it's not an introduction everyone needs. It's it a... was the main, the main introduction for them wasn't on the footy pitch. They'd, they'd just been relegated to Division 2, which I didn't know, understand the leagues over here, the systems or anything. But I'd say some of them lads knew how to throw a party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think it's it's honest. Like, we all know they're not, you know, they might not be gifted on a football and pitch at the moment, but I think the boys are still out there and still having a good time every it, it weekend. Was, it was better because they were all they were all party animals, but they performed on a Saturday and they were destroying teams in that second division. But it was the fact that they all had like the same haircut. It was all long hair. There was Robbie Ward, Drew Ward, Hoodie, Leaf Ball, Tommy Miller, all just long hair. And I was like, I've just come out of the a society as such, short back in size, it's regimental. And I've come out with these guys with long hair. And it was like it was like playing football with rockers. Yeah. So it was that was great. No, no, and that's it. And that's that was your introduction into Max football. So you've come out of the army, you know, you've you've had your struggles in the army, you know, you've been quite open and discussed that with us. You've turned up, you've come into Manx football. What then drives you through Manx football? What what gets you through your playing days of Manx football? My playing days and football for me. Obviously, a lot of people know me for being angry and all shit like that. And then the people that actually know me know that football has been a way of combating my PTSD. It was a release, a stress for it. It's 90 minutes of I don't care what goes to me, what goes on the pitch, it stays on the pitch. We go in there. We're not there to, I'm, I'm never there to make that. I'm there to get three points. I yeah. go to work to make money, not friends. It's three points. It's a battlefield for me. It's one of them. You go in there, you lose your shit, you go home, you have a pint after the game with the lads, win, lose, or draw, and you go home. It's it's always nice to go home with the four uh, with the three points. Yeah. And that was my main drive was literally winning. Yeah. And playing football and as doing as well as I possibly could. And for obviously with my height. <laughs> you well, you know, you know this, Rob. I have had questions here. Josh Welsh, Dave Cherry. I don't know why Dave Cherry's asking about height because Cherry, I played football with Cherry for years, right, growing up. 
and he's I don't know, he must be six foot two, six foot yeah. three. He's the only man that can get lobbed on his line at that height, <laughs> isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know why he's questioning your height there, but he's that tall and he gets locked <laughs> yeah. all the time. It's, it's, it stems from when I was at Tudis and me and Chris, Chris Bass have always had this little battle about height. And Chris Bass knows that I'm about three foot taller than him. And he started, we, we've had the opera joke. Terry's been a part of that, the long run joke. And he's been, I said, even down with FC Alaman, I, I have a good crap with Terry. Yeah, yeah. At FC Alaman, he's a, a really nice guy. You said about Josh Welsh. Josh Welsh, bring it up. The man hasn't even got a kneecap. He's, he's, he plays football for about 20 minutes a year. Gets injured. Yeah. Spends the rest of it on the sideline with a couple of cans on a yeah, Saturday. He's, he's always there with the piss up. He's, he's always a good crap for that. But, yeah. but that's that's the thing as well. But Josh's bad legs obviously revolve because I actually work with Josh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say work. Like, he turns up. He's Yeah, he's there. He doesn't do a lot. He says he's a painter. I haven't really seen him paint much, but you know the saying, don't you? If you can piss, you can paint. <laughs> well, that's f- it's very true. It's very true. But we won't get into Josh. We won't, we won't insult him. He's, you know, he's, he's probably his boss will probably hear this at some point. So we better <laughs> not get into that. So you come to Old Boys. You start off at Old Boys. Where'd you go from there? I was there for a season, and obviously working over here on a work permit. It was tough getting work. I started in the roofing. As an apprentice, money wasn't the best. So I started working up the manor yeah. and pulling pints of a night. So I was working the day, pulling pints of a night. And then I ended up with being in the manor, latched onto Douglas Royals. Yeah. So the lad said, come down there. Fitzy was the manager at the time. And I ended up at Royals. I played out pitch for the combi. And there were a great bunch of lads. It wasn't, I wasn't. I, I didn't really know the lads of old boys. It was a case of went there for a season, latched yeah. on nights out and things like that. And then went to Douglas Royals and it, it was like the same. You felt like you were part of like a, a brotherhood squad where everyone was like so close connected. They'd all be drinking at the manor. I'd be, I'd go have like a pound them after the game, go home, get changed back up the bar. They were all still out on the piss. Yeah, you're, you've gone out, you've had a pint with them, and now you're yeah. serving them their pint. Yeah, and they were just like, oh, you need to get that. I said, a card, you know, money's like being over here. And it was because I was obviously through um, struggling with the pension, sorting that out, the Alaman taxes and everything like that. And my mum and dad are like on my case about work and giving me all because it's like the regimental life back at home yeah. that I'm not used to because my attitude is different to theirs. And, and it was going more. Royals was like another, a different, like release. It was, it was like a different. It was, it was fresh, but I was with my um, because when I first came over, I met my now ex-wife, living around there as well. So it was all like a close knit community. Yeah, yeah, and it was, it, it was great. It was like every team seemed close. Yeah, yeah. and apart from each other, and it's all around similar ages and things. And it was, it was the same with Royals. I had the laughs with them, and then again. Back at the manor on the piss, yeah. This, and you know what, the manor, the manor's a different pub, isn't mm. it? You know, it's it is a, it's a proper local, isn't it? It's not like you're going to Jack's or you're going no, somewhere I else. I definitely think with the manor, the only thing that was the pool was taken so serious. It was like oh. the elite sport. You couldn't talk to the pool guys. You couldn't even use a table when they were near it, yeah, or anything like in that, that little pool room yeah, in the back. Crucible. <laughs> I think the walls. I, 
I think like I, I grew up with Lewis, so I know what the man is like. I've obviously been in there quite a bit, but I think the painting on the wall in there because he had the didn't he have the man, big man's cat for a while and like, things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of them that yeah, pool rooms. Rooms. survive an apocalypse. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <It laughs> like the Winchester. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, get there, get there, have a pint and watch it all blow over. It'd be absolutely fine, mate. So after that. What happens after Royals? Where do you go after Royals? Well, obviously, with more clubs than Tiger Woods, I was introduced, I was asked to go down to gyms with a lad that left Royals. And I said, I've come down pre-season training, and I got the nice introduction to, to some of the top lads that I know through Mike's football, the Reese brothers. And I played for the Combi, and there was a group of us. There was Denty, Ben Bins, Bart Reese, Joe Reese at the Combi. I was playing out pitch, and it was just, for the first time in my playing football, my career as they call it, I played football for a laugh. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. We were, we'd, we'd play, obviously, I couldn't go out on the piss because I had my daughter then. My daughter was born. So it was home. But we got nights out with the lads and felt part of a team, like part of a group of lads that were like my mates from the army, which yeah. was brilliant to have everywhere. Oh, you're coming out tonight. There was always messages flying. And it was... It was a great crack. And even when we played on a Saturday, it was little competition. Who would score the most? Mark would be pinging them from 30 yards. Joe would be hung over from the night before, arguing with everybody. That's not Joe Reese. <laughs> no. Joe Reese does not argue. He's quiet, he's tame. He doesn't <laughs> it, argue anyone. It was the beginning of Joe Reese of, I'll get my brothers on you. I remember having a big argument with him because he, he was, I don't know if he was hanging, but he was, we were trying. We were losing, I think, and we were going. We we needed the win, and Joe was eating a Mars bar up front as I'm about to take a long throw in, and we ended up having a massive argument over it. But it was like a couple of seasons. I, well, playing out pitch for the combi, and then I had one game in goal in the junior cup, and Jim's were brought with the league at the time, and I played in goal for the combi in junior cup, and the next minute I was propelled into the first team. We went on a big run. We stayed up. And then the next season, we ended up going, we were heading towards like the Railway Cup. Yeah. It was like, when think about gyms that turned all around. Yeah, yeah. And it was a great experience. And then obviously then after gyms, the, the Reese brothers left and it, they said to me, they go, so I fancy come down to, to Pulley. Yeah. And then that was it. Pulley, Pulley was like a team. I, I, I love Pulley. And that's when I first played for Pulley. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously I found out that I had issues with my legs from... Injury from the army, so I had to have surgery on it and had all ankle reconstruction because of it, and um, because degrading, degrading muscle, ligaments and bone. Yeah. So I had to have it all removed, and it was it was a long, I think, year or so off, two years, a long way from Mike's football, isn't it? Especially when you're used to it every weekend. And then I think after, and and then you know, yeah, you can go down and watch the lads, and yeah. and you can see them on a Saturday, but. It's you're not playing, are you? You're not a training with them. You're not seeing the lads, and it's that's why that I know recently, like Lise and Onkin, Dan Simpson, have broken their legs, and I'm like literally messaging them straight away because I know what it's like to be out of that zone. Yeah, not in it. You doesn't matter what you say. You don't get into it. You don't feel the game. So you sat on the sidelines out of it. Even when you're in the pub with them, you sat on the sidelines. Dan will feel that with that FC Alaman. Jim and Lise's son will feel that. With Onken, even though he's young enough to get back and get fit, and yeah, you still feel it. It's a long time out with a, with a break injury, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. And it, it it's six eight weeks when you sat there with a cast on, 
But then it's another six to eight weeks when you get out of that. And yeah. You're not playing, are you? Because you no. don't want to push it. No, and then you've got it's it's until you get hit the first time. Yeah. And then you go, oh, I'm all right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I can take this, I can go forward. But it's it's that initial getting back into it, feeling, can I do it again? Because it's still psychological, it's in your head. Yeah, yeah. So then when you when that happened, do you stay at Pulley then? Is that when you have that well, golden no, um, season? Or? I, went through, I went through a bad divorce and... I had a relapse with my PTSD and I was I was literally I was in a bad place at the time and it was like people had turned away from me and everything. And do you know what? From <laughs> I had my own company at the time and Chris Bass Senior and Chris Bass Junior were literally there for me for everything. Like literally yeah. through the whole lot, helped me, sorted me out, got me back and that's why I ended up at Geordie's because they were saying listen you play footy come back you know get you fit again yeah. and, and it was it was nice to, to be helped you never forget like the people that help you were your lowest point and for me that was my lowest point I was through a battle for my daughter me and my ex-wife had separated it was like it was it was a dark it was it was a bad time and Chris Bass Senior was the became like sort of Iron Man, like not like a, it was like a father figure, really. Like yeah. he wanted me to grow my company. He, he still mentions now he hopes I do well in everything. He's, and he became like what everyone says about him. He bassy, isn't it? It's like when people say, "Oh, he's it." He's not. He just said, "You see him when I see him. You see what he what he's done for people." People don't remember the things like that you've done. Yeah. They always remember what dickhead you were. They never. They'll never turn around and go, "Oh, well, he did this for me. He did that." And Bassy always did. I'll always thank Senior and Junior for when I was down. Yeah. They brought me back to football. They got me fit. And ended up getting down to Geordie's. And it was, a, it was a, even then, it was a good crack. It was seeing, seeing the dedication of some players like like, like Frank Jones. He's, guy's a fucking machine. Yeah. He just, like, even then, he's, he, that was like 2015. The guy's just, like, just go old, will you? Do you yeah, know? He's, 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 he's dedicated to what he does, yeah, isn't he, Frank? and it's great to see, like, Jack McVeigh, Jack McVeigh, right? Jack McVeigh could sleep for another 20 years, put on another 40 stone, and could still pick a pass. Johnny Myers is the same. It doesn't matter what they do. They're just so gifted football. I was being a part of that Geordie's team, and being in and around some of the most gifted players that played on this island. It's ridiculous. Like, Sean Quay, what a defender you got. Jack McVeigh, Frank Jones. Sam Kane when he was it fit, so that's about three days a year. Pecker, some player, Callum Morrissey. Yeah. They were just unreal players. There's just there's a reason why they won so many yeah. so many so yeah. many trophies. They dominate. They, yeah. And they did dominate Manx football. They they dominated Manx football for years, that team. But I think that come from Bassi Senior's desire oh, of when he was a player and yeah. how much he wanted to yeah. win. It it stayed with him. He, yeah. he he's never lost that, has he? No. Bassi, Bassi, seniors. He's he's everything. I think the only argument he'll never wins with his missus. I said, and I reckon, I reckon he still tries to do that. He's he wants to win everything. He's it, and it's great because it was never what people say how he was. He would be. I remember when I was getting fit again, trying to get back in goal, like moving on my leg, and he'd end it like, "Let's have a penalty competition." Yeah, what, if you save it. And you were like that. He would literally just smash every penalty in. And he, he would even, if I saved the penalty, he'd be fuming about it. It would be just a competition over one little simple thing. But it didn't just stay with him, his will to, it just, it went into everybody else. 
everyone's took it off him. Yeah. They felt every word he said. He would go, even if you're having a good game. I remember we were up against, we are beating Union Mills. I think we were about like four or five nil up. And he come in the changing rooms and he went mental. He, was, he even asked Dicko to take over because he just went mental because of straight passes. We were getting cocky and things like that. He didn't want us to win cocky. It was always a case of once a win. If you're going to win, win well. Win well. Yeah. And it was, and it, it stayed with everyone. And that's why when I look at the, the Geordie team, when people say, oh, they were cocky because they won this and won that, they weren't. They worked hard. They trained hard. If you watched them train, they were all dedicated to it. No one yeah. argued with them. No, they did it. And that's, that's the difference between a good player and a player that thinks he's good. Because then players, they did it. They, they proved what yeah. they proved what they yeah. needed to prove. And they worked hard and they listened. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, I'm not doing that or that, what players do now. They listened to Bassey. Whatever Bassey said, they did without an argument. And he was like, like Alex Ferguson. He ran the route, but he wasn't as, no, it's, it's weird. Bassey never, he was never like, you'd never seen being an arsehole with everybody. He'd sit back and he'd talk and he'd, he'd, he'd know everything about everybody. Yeah. He would always take that time to talk to you. And that's that's what you want in a manager, isn't it? He's 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 a manager in a team, but he's a very good man manager as well. Oh yeah. So after Geordie's, what happens there? Geordie's, I went to <laughs> Dave Reese only took over Onkin. Yeah. And I remember Joe Reese was working with me at the time. He went, oh, he came in. He went, my brother's just taken over Onkin, and I I literally got straight on the phone to, and I just went, Dave Slinger. He went, yeah, what do you want? I went, Where do I sign? I was like, back with them, back yeah. with the lads. And to do it, down with them, what, a, I'll, I'll be honest, what a club Onken is. They're, a, they're an unbelievable club. There's a few clubs like that that I can say to on the island. And it's not just a case of being a part of the first team. It's a case of if you go down on a Saturday, Saturday morning, you watch the dedication that some of them people do for Bob. The coaches, the coaches, the girls team, the Tristan Ringham does a great job. Brian Callow, I can't, I can't name all coaches, unfortunately, but the club for Bumps are absolutely fantastic. The dedication they do just to, just to get the, you know, the excitement of the kids, you know, to play, yeah. to get them to turn up, to get the parents to turn up in the rain, get them to turn up in the wind, get them to turn up in the snow. It's brilliant. And clubs like that, it was great to be a part of and try and achieve something. We didn't win anything. We got to a cup final. Was brilliant to to bring it to him, but it was you know just to be a part of that and feel part of it. Yeah, was brilliant because I helped coach down with the girls with Tristan, and my daughter played, which was great. She wanted to be at the club I was at, which was another part of going to Onken, and going down the Saturday with her Saturday afternoons was my football, where she'd come down as well, and we'd have her games on a Sunday. It was great just to be a part of it and Onken made a, f- a family on yeah. it and a family feel and it was there was there was great and honestly it, I can't speak highly enough for the club myself mate I, I was at Onkin for a number of years like um, Brian Callow put me through my first coaching badges and things like that it's, like even the things he's done for fun oh, it's brilliant you, you can't like people on the Isle of Man will never know what he's done for no. my football but he is he's, he's great he's a great guy Brian been a friend of mine for years and honestly it, it's one of them so Obviously, you have your disappointment of the cup. You don't get there. You don't yeah. win it. So you go back to Pulley, don't you, at the end of that? Well, Steedo asked me to go. I left Onkin due to the chairman before. It, w- it wasn't Brian Callow. It was someone else. We had a disagreement. 
I Steedo asked me to come down to train, and I I trained with them, and I've, I literally I've been a puppy before. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I'll do it. So I came down, and it was a good crowd. You could see a team in there. There was like a raw team that was. This, you look at them I've seen now the McGinn's I, I love the McGinn's they're brilliant they're, they're more like aren't they man no, to, to a lot of people though outside that don't know the McGinn's yeah. I, I know the McGinn's as well myself mate you know that um, I look at you look at well I look at people a different way people will and I've found here that people are so easy to judge over things and how they are on the pitch James McGinn was great we had a back line a great back line with Jacob Thomas Jacob Thomas is Last time I seen someone 50-50 like Jacob Thomas was Brody. And that's a player. Yeah. That he, was a player. Jacob Thomas was all or nothing. He didn't care. Even if he had a 1% chance of winning it, he got that ball. Owen Quayle. I've never seen a, a centre-back burst out the back like he does. Go on a run with Kenny Cowan on the left, James McGinn on the right. And you knew there was always fire in that back line. The pulley squad had fire through the whole team. Obviously, trouble, but... It was always ignited, you know. You, you always see the retaliation, you never see the ignition. Yeah. And and that was the thing. And the McGinns, I've got so much respect for them. They remind me of my dad. The family is like my dad and his family. That no matter what hail, rain, snow, they were always at the games. They were yeah. always on the sideline and they were always supporting their kids, no matter what, through everything. Which was like a and I looked at I used to look sit back and look at them and go, Do you know what? You you remind me of my family. Yeah. And it's great to see when you see things like that. When you, even when you're older, you see your family coming down, and it was great to be a part of that because you just again it was the feeling well we got the pinewood at the end, and even guys that are in the pub that just absolute shit. It never had a clue who it was. Oh, how'd you get on? And it's the crack yeah. after the game as well as like pulley. Let's be let's be honest. Pulley's produced some of the some greatest players on yeah. the Isle Man. It's where football begins on fields like that. Oh, yeah. You look at some of the players that have played for Bully over the years. Like, I'm just, you know, you've named a few there. Steedo, I think, you know, silly silly amounts of goals in Manx football. Oh, God. Johnny Palmer, even yeah. back in the day, Johnny played Bully. You know, Bully have had some fantastic. Yeah. Do you know what? They always have a goal scorer. I don't yeah. know what it is. They always find a goal scorer out of somewhere. And I know they're struggling at the moment. I speak to Mo quite a lot. Like, I see Mo. I don't live too far away from Mo. I see him quite a lot. And Mo's always saying, "Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to we're going to win the league." He was telling me last week before they played last. He was telling me we're going to win the the cup, like <laughs> the FA Cup. I did see him after that and reminded. But you know, people like that behind the scenes just it keep is, that it's, club. It's even like with Pulley, like Kev Cowan was a massive force behind Pulley. Oh, Kev was massive. You know yeah. what? He was. If you listen, I've I've listened back to a few videos of when I was playing in saves I made. And you just listen to his passion on that sideline and that drive is people like him for football and what football need. Yeah. That sideline needs people cheering on, not only from a supporter's point of view, but from management and coaching. And Kev was always in and around and always a part of it and always added something. No, if it wasn't a training, if it wasn't, he was working or he was always busy or he was with his kids. He'd come down on a Saturday and he'd always give that little injection of enthusiasm that make you want to play for the shirt, that make, give you that little step extra. I was fortunate enough to have, to have Kevin be a part of the management team of Steedo and manage me on my first trip to Pulley. And it was always something, and that's what I've been looking with with the managers that I've had. 
on the island and they've all given that drive and all given that input. Well, it doesn't have to be the aggressive input that people think. It's yes. just that passion to show, even when you've had a shit day, they're picking you He's, up. Yeah, and, and Kev, Kev was like, honestly, we lost Kev last year and anyone who doesn't know, Kev was a great guy, but Kev was always happy. He was always positive. It, yeah. Like, I know Kev had his, he, he had his difficulties towards the end, you know, he was struggling, but you could never tell from the outside what Kev no. was going through. And I think he was always that kind of person previously yeah. as well. You, if he had something going on, we would never know. You'd what, go to a footy game and he'd always be concerned about you rather than himself. Yeah. And he was a great input to the club. And it was having people like that round, Steve Mark Priestley was playing with us. They added that little bit where they'd give it. And it became with. We were fighting for every point. Yeah. Every point that we won that season, we were battling for. Yeah, and, and there's another person in there that lost as well, and that pulled side, Steve Glover. Yeah, Steve was... Do you know what I mean? And, and that, but I said before, Pully always had produced goal scorers. Steve and Steve Glover. Do you know what I mean? That's it's silly, isn't ridiculous. it? It's silly, but that brings us on to, obviously, the end of that second season, or I think it was the second season you went back, wasn't it? It was the second time. Yeah, and... This comes in from Hattie. It's a question. It leads very well into it. And it says, you captain Pulley to the Woods Cup success during that season. Does that rate amongst one of your best and memorable moments as a player in Manx football? When I was a part of that final, it was a great final. We went 1-0 down. My dad was a, my dad flew in for the final. My dad's been to all my cup games that I can ever remember. Yeah. Even with the army, my dad travelled down from Crew to Aldershot to watch us lift the cup. Dad was at everything with his flat cap on. That cup final ranks with the best thing that I've ever achieved in football because it was the last final my dad went to. Yeah. And I lost my dad last year. Thinking back to that final, even with the pulley lads, the, we were all, after the final, we went, my dad was like, oh, you, well done, you won. And I just... He said, but what? why didn't you um, save that first goal? I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Cause Pick it, picking, uh, picking out the bad Because I didn't go up for it. I dived outwards. Yeah. And to punch, instead of if I'd have came and collected, I might have got it. But I dived out for some reason and he picked up on that. I was time-wasting. He hates that. And But it was, I look back to that final now and I can remember every part of it. It's even when we all went back to the horse and plough after the game and... James McGinn, Owen, all the lads there were, we were all with my dad. We were all buying drinks for each other. They got my dad absolutely steaming. And he, my dad decided to walk home from the horse and plough. And I was living in Onken at the time and he thought he knew his way. So we ended up getting two taxis home. And he goes, I remember my dad the next day. He said, you know what, son? I'm so proud of you for winning that cup. And I like the lads, but I'm never going fucking drinking with you again. Best way, mate. Best <laughs> way. So after Pulley, it was at Laxey after Pulley. Yeah, it took us. I went to Laxey. It was it was it was a random turn. I'd heard a lot about John Palmer. George Burroughs was working with me at the time, and Laxey were at the struggle. They were at the bottom of the league, and I was obviously coming to the end. I knew I knew the next move was going to be it. Uh, yeah, because you just you, like you're saying for you you know you know the time when, when the time's right. And, yeah. I got the opportunity. I, I spoke to Johnny Palmer and I knew I could, I'd always like to go to a club where I could actually make a difference if I could, if I could win them 10, 15 points a season. Mike's thought you keep you at relegation. Well, that's it, isn't it? You know, I think, 
I think it's about 15 points normally keeps you up in in the, in the Premier League. So I, I thought to myself, I could I could easily win five games a season. I think let's help out. Yeah, a couple of mates and things like that. And I spoke to Johnny Palmer on the phone. And he said, "Yeah, you're more than welcome." To come. I said, "Listen, I'm willing to come down. I'm willing to help you out." He went, "Yeah, you're more than willing to come to train." And he was just a blood. Oh, he's, 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 he's got no... There was no, like... No filter with John, No, no, there isn't. And you know what? That's what I love about him. That it's like... You're, he, he's, a, again, a Marmite. Yeah, but he and my love. Yes. I, I love John Palmer. He just, do you know what? He's just... How it is, he will come and shake your hand and he will never show a grimace to you. He'll never... If he's got something to say, he'll say it to you. Yeah. He's not one of them that'll say it behind the back. No. Nope. He'll rip the piss out of you all day. And... I went down to training and I trained a few times and I said, so what's the score for the season? He went, oh, you train like the rest of them. He said, I want you as fit as my outfield players. I was like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> i got to do a bit of running. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and don't expect coming down here, you're going straight to the first team. He said, we've got a goalkeeper. And Mason Pitts was there at the time. And he said, so don't think just because you've come down and you've won a couple of trophies that you're going to get straight in. He said, you're fighting, you work as hard as him. You train as hard as him. And at the end of the day, you're coming in to the comedy place. Yep. And I was like, oh, shit. But, like, <laughs> it's a little wake-up call, though, isn't it? It's, it's good to have a little challenge. And then we went for our first run. Little did I know that Mason Pitts was like a marathon runner who came in about 20 minutes before everybody else. I was like, well, this is going to be fun. I'm in my 30s, and he's not. Yeah, so... Up and, and down the hills, around Glen yeah, Road. Oh, and, God, yeah. It was just like, first, it's, it's just up there the fucking first two hills, the lax scene, you're just like, Jesus Christ, why, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play table tennis. Well, obviously, Cherry, I wouldn't be able to reach the table, would I? Yeah, that's it. But, it was great, it was good that, I know a lot of people behind the scenes at Laxey didn't want me because of my attitude and all things like that, but Johnny Palmer was the one that turned around to him and said, listen, give him a chance. Let's see what we can, Yeah, let's see what he can do. And you know what, for my last, I wouldn't have, Love to have been anywhere else because Laxey as well are an absolute great club. They're a brilliant club and there's reasons they've won. The trophies they've won. The old guy, that I'll tell you something, the Monday club at Laxey. Oh, they do, they no, do everything, don't they? Like, there's yeah. nobody like them. The, the, them guys are dedicated to that club. Yeah. They sort the pitch out every week. They're like the unsung heroes of football. Do all the painting around the clubhouse. Yes, they'll, they do. they'll touch a bit up here. They'll Wash get the kits and everything. Yeah. Unsung heroes. And again, down to the coaches and everything. Everyone with their little bits to do. Mike knows in, in with the FA. They're all just the pure, pure football. They are pure football, and that's that's what I love about clubs like that. That there's pure football, and you've got people behind the scenes that are so dedicated. There's an old woman, the young woman, should I say, that goes down to what's like She has a knit scarf all the time. Margaret Griffiths, yeah. And you know what? For the years that I was at Laxey, watching her on, well, not all the time, obviously, when we're winning, not when, yeah, yeah. when I've just made a howler, but watching the passion that she has to come down to sit on the sideline in the rain to cheer on Laxey. It's a village club, it's isn't brilliant. it? It's, it's the village it's atmosphere. Just seeing the older people down there, you go down there, there's a, genera- there's a complete and different generation watching the football, cheering them on, yeah. supporting the club. From ground up, which is unreal. And I, that, that, I think that's fair enough, isn't it? So, at the end of that, Rob, that's obviously Laxey's way of playing day's end. Yeah. What the hell gets you into <laughs> refereeing from your record? You know 
of playing footy. I went to Qualtro's to pick up some materials. Joe Reese was there and there'd been an incident at some of the weekend and he was criticising referees. And Meppen was in there and I said to him, I said, listen, I said, you know what? I'll do it. Yeah. I'll, I actually passed my referees course in 2001 with True Alex and I did my second one in the army. And Meppen said, all right, if you're willing to do it, yeah. send me your email address. And I think Meppen walked away from that going, he's full of shit again. Yeah. <laughs> there was he's definitely a whole, he's full of shit. <laughs> like, and then I would have loved to have sat in the room with Tony Meppen, Tommy Crow, Kev Maitland when he spoke to everyone and said, Rob Slinger's thinking about coming to ref. I would have loved to have been in there. See what a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because Tommy Crow messaged me and he went, is this a piss? Like, is it piss state? You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, no, no, I won't do it. He said, all right then. Meet me down, Pulley. We watched a Douglas District game and he went, sound, you referee next week. And I was like, is that it? Went, you know the game. Let's see how you go. Put your money where your mouth is. Technically, because obviously, yeah, yeah. let's get the gov shite ref and let's see, because he's give I obviously give refs abuse over the years. Let's see if he can actually do it. And I've had clashes with Mark Stevens before and he assessed me on like the first game and I thought, oh, this is going to go bad. Yeah. And Mark Stevens went, I am completely shocked how you handled the game. I'm going to tell Kev that you want need to continue. And I literally fell back in love with football. Yeah. Which is weird. But it's like a buzz. It's like you're feeling it. You're watching players have that drive for football. You're watching it on the other side. They can call you what you want. It's not really, they can't really insult you because they're not in the real generation where they give you proper. It's just like seeing some fellow on Sky do it. So they thought they can do it. They try and copy up the player. But it's great to get the games going, be a part. You're still a part of it. Yeah. And you can still have that laugh. I'll I'll still go for a pint at the home room, home chip, the home ground at the end of the game. And if they've got someone to say, say, we can, all right, I've fucked up. Or, but it's great to still be a part of it. And it's great to still see some of the lads that I played with. I know the new lads are coming through. I just like, who the fuck is he? But it's good to still have that involved. Oh, yeah. And still take your and I, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, are you enjoying it? But you, you've answered that there, mate. You, you know, you you clearly enjoy going out there every week and doing it and being a part of the game. And I think that leads me onto a nice question from someone that you've mentioned there, Tommy Crow. And Tommy Crow just asks, "Would you like to have taken the whistle up earlier than you did?" And like, obviously, you've done that in two thousand and one. You've done your course. I think he means more over here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would have. I think my time was. I had a good couple of teams. The teams I played for, I've had my good games, I've had my bad games. Yep. I, looking now, yes, because I'd be, I reckon I'd be a hell of a lot further. Yeah. I'm going for level four this season. I've refereed across a few times to get a taste of it. I'm driving towards it next season. I'm going to try and get across more. Yep. And go from there because, yes, I'm 37, but what's the worst that can happen? A knockback, a knockback, a comeback, and I still do the same job that I'm doing now. It's it's not the end of the world. I'm never, ever going to be in the Premier League. Yeah. But let's go. What's the, what's you want the to be the best. You want to be the best you can be. And yeah, I would have loved to have done it early because I think, I, I think personally I've done well. Yeah. Um, but you, won, you, you, you got the grassroots ref of the year last year, didn't you, at the FA? Which was a shock. So, 
it's 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 better to get that than discipline. Well, yeah, that's very true. And I know, I know when we caught up after that, your missus was even shocked at that as well, wasn't <laughs> yeah. she? So, yeah. you know, she she thought she was turning up to make sure that you weren't getting arrested or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we we turned up and we had a good time down yeah. there. So, Rob, that's your footballing days. Okay, we're we're all done with that now. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question now, and I know as a referee. There's going to be people out there that go, you can't say this, you can't say that. We're up front, we're unfiltered. I don't give a shit what you say here. And you, you've got, you're entitled to an opinion. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. What at the moment for you is the worst thing about Manx football? The numbers. The lack of numbers. Yeah. The, there seems to be like a generation stop. When yeah. I first came to the Island Man, I was playing around 40 teams when I was younger. There was kids playing footy everywhere. Yeah. It's the PlayStation generation. It's the lack of the call I'd, I'd say the snowflake generation. It's there's there's no willing to go out. Look at pulley fields. There's a prime example. When I was a kid, if you went past a field that had a set of nets on it, there was kids in it. There was kids playing on one side, there were kids playing on the other side. Different kids that end up having a big game, like heads and volleys. Most kids now they wouldn't even know what heads and volleys was. I don't think you're allowed to head through a ball no, now to like no. the age of twelve or something because of like concussion. Like, don't get me wrong. Before anyone starts going mad on health and safety when they're listening to this, I get it. Yes, it's all about, but it's their choice if they want to head a football. If they go into adult football and they've never had it headed a football before, it's going to bring on some terrible injuries because they're going to be jumping in. They're not going to have the muscle memory. They're not going to have the technique. They're not going to know what they're doing. That's my personal opinion on it. But I get they're trying to protect and, you know, there's links to dementia, there's studies. Have we done enough study on it yet? No, I think there needs to be more, but we can get there. Do you know what I mean? But you do remember, like, the one thing I will say, remember back in the day how heavy a football was. Oh, yeah. Now they're getting lighter, flimsier. But the, it has changed. Go past, and like I said, drive past Pulley and look over. All the lads that used to play for Pulley. They'd all be out on drive, a Friday night oh, or yeah. Tuesday night after school. They'd be there in their school uniform. Be home, yeah. Be home when the lights come on. There was kids on a Sunday would be absolutely pissing down. Short t-shirt running around the field. Yeah. Now what do you see? When you go past the pitch, there's clubs that have their nets out. You never see a kid at the pitches. You go around the pitch on the Isle of Man at the weekend, the nets are empty. And it's it's a shame. And to say that football's one of the biggest, the money's rising. Yeah. But the passion isn't. Yeah. And that's... And that that probably will we'll flip on to then. What do you think at the moment in Manx football is the best thing about it? The best thing about it for me, that I enjoy it, like, being a part of the game. What I love is the battle game. I love the second division. Yeah. I love the battle games and teams, when they turn up and they're full squad, so they want to play. Yeah. Teams are fine for things. They're not sat there, or oh, Georges are walking away with it, but teams still fall for the second place, third place, being a part of the cup final. Everything and the options are there for the kids' football at grassroots all the way through to senior level. I, as a person that's involved, I've been part of county's football. I played for teams that have been a part of county's football before. I honestly think one of the best things, not for the clubs because they're losing a lot of players, but FC Alaman for the younger generation, not the guys that sit behind me and FC Alaman giving me abuse for an offside, but all the ones that clap you for chasing a duck off. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, can't, can't can't not let that I one go. I will never live that down. 
But see the younger generation. When you're walking off the pitch at FCL, I mean, I've done it a few times, and you see the excitement on them kids' faces, they think they're seeing professional footballers. That's the closest they're going to get because we do have a massive amount of armchair fans that watch. There are obviously Liverpool and Man United fans, should I say. <laughs> Some of us aren't armchair fans, Rob, you know that. <laughs> but just that they get into a local game. They won't go yeah. down and watch Laxey. They won't go down and watch George's. They won't go down and watch Old Boys. But they will go and watch FC Alamac. It's costing the parents money, but they're so passionate. They've got their replica kits on. Yeah. They're wanting to have autographs with Sean Doyle, which I can get anytime if they want a yellow card. Like, yeah. I can. The Dan Simpson's not. They're offering something. And it's great to see that. They're great to see that level because back home when I used to go and watch crew play, that was the buzz. The players used to come out at the end and sign autographs. You don't really see that much with... You won't get that in the Premier League. No, or, or, you, you, won't, you won't get that anything down to no. sort of League 2. No. National League, I, I can speak for this because obviously National League, I went to two weeks ago. I was in London. I went to watch Dorkin versus Oldham in oh, the National League. Dorkin at class. And honestly, mate, it's the most... It's it's real. It is like being it's at the engaged. ball. But I was actually closer at the pitch at Dorkin yeah. than I can get at the ball yeah. to the sideline. And this is National League football. After the game... The lads are all there. They're drinking in the same bar, right? Yeah. After the game, and you engage with them. Yeah, yeah. And that's a part of the thing. And it's a part of like the FC Alaman. You look at them players. They've gone. Technically, if you, if you do look at it, they have gone to a star status because some some actually do develop down onto a Saturday. But you see what they're offering. They're working hard. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They are working hard. I've got Ryan Garden with me, and he's telling me about it because obviously he doesn't work hard at work. So he's but he's very he's very good at being good, isn't he, Ryan? He, he, you know, you know what? He's good. He's very very yeah. good, he, and he is good at being good. He's not at work though because I've been working with him this week, and I've had to wake him up about four or five times. He is a natural lad. Yeah, that like doesn't surprise me. He's Garland, but he's involved, and he he tells me about how hard the lads are working, the training. They behind the scenes, the things we don't see that they're doing really. You see Gary Wayton's photos, but they are working their socks off. It, it's mad, mate. And I like, I'm, I'm quite privileged enough to, to know what's happening down there yeah. and see see what's happening. You know, I'm friends with some of the coaches, and I help out with the media stuff now and then. And behind the scenes, that club is growing. And I, you know, what I don't mean this in a, a like a derogatory way. I think their way of yes, they've got the fans down there, but I'm hope. I'm, I think in the long run, they're hoping that filters back into Manx football yeah. and people that are going out on a Saturday night to watch them might go out an hour earlier and go down, you know, oh, well, there's a game on there. I'm just on the way down to the FCM. I'll pop in for an hour, you know, yeah. just have a look and see. I think that's what they're wanting to do to bring Manx football back up to a level as well. Yes, they're taking players from it, but what they're giving back and the opportunities that they're providing, is it one of them? Yeah. So, no, that's fair enough, mate, and, and I get that. So, before I move on to the, the final section of this this podcast, basically, which is our Select 7, I'll introduce that in a minute. There's a couple more questions. One of them's come in from ex-referee John McCallum, John the Jock, for anyone who knows him as that, because it's probably what he's more known as. And there's two parts to this question, okay? Basically, he says... And I know he's an ex-referee as well. I just want to point that out now. John doesn't referee anymore, but he is an ex-referee. Are all referees on the island walking football refs? If not, why do 99% of Manx refs on a Saturday never run around the pitch during a match? The second part of this is, he was a ref for 14 years. When he did his level four fitness test every year, he passed it. A lot of refs failed it, but got put down 
as a pass. Do you think this is still happening? Now, this is John's opinion. I don't know if this is true or not, but what are your thoughts on that, Rob? Well, on a Saturday, I don't go and watch referees. And yeah. That's one thing I don't do. I'd stay apart because it's the game of culture. You will, it's, you're the lone ranger on a Saturday when you haven't got linos. I know how I do my running. Yeah. I do my fair share of running. Players will know that I keep up with play. I've got my GPS that will prove that I keep up with play and the amount I run. The check one with the fitness test. I did my fitness test with John McCallum. I was level seven at the time. I did the level four. I will continue to do. I know that I'm, my level four is coming up. Fitness test is coming up over here. And I know of one person that's done a fitness test that I've spoken to because I don't really speak about the refs and stuff with the refs because it's not, it's, it's not really, you tend to talk about who you sent off people. And yeah, you want to talk, like, you talk about the games. You don't talk about I'm, the bits I'm before. A I'm yeah. a player and I'm like, I would sort of get on. Ollie, and do you know what? Fair play, dude. hats off. He's now level four. He's gone to Bolton. Yeah. He's done his fitness test. He's refereeing across. He's do. He's lying on some big games in the Northern Premier League. He's working his ticks off with the refing, and he's getting great feedback. His assessments are quality. And you know what? It's raised his game like to a complete... And I've been speaking to him a lot for advice and things like that. And for him, he did say that at the time fitness was a struggle. The new fitness test is out. Yep. which now he's transferred to, which it's not easier. I'd say it's harder, but it's more match relevant. Yeah. And he's adapted and he's passing that fitness test. He smashed the fitness test. I know a couple of guys who were a part of that and Ollie actually smashed the fitness test. And he's now, I watch him refereeing and I can't believe it's the same Ollie years ago. And I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago and I said the best thing that happened to him was level four. But he's taking it to the next level, going across and doing it, and doing brilliant. I said, the only thing, and I'll change it a little bit, is that frustrates me with other referees getting to level four. Is every referee worked hard in their own way, whether it's Peter Greenall, Matty Evans. That I'm only saying them because they're the older generation of referees, yep. which I massively respect. And then you have the new referees. Now, they're, every week we work, we don't go out, they don't go out of the way to ruin a game. We make mistakes. It's human error. Yeah. And a point I'm bringing up, I know it relays away from John, but I, I think I answered that. Yes. Like recently, I was on, seen on Facebook, on the Laxi page, I am a part of the Laxi page, I didn't, I haven't been on Facebook in ages, and a guy had made a comment about referee's decision. And that was taken to Facebook. And this lad, who's a new referee, wants to progress to that level. Now, club marks and all their... It's not just fitness, it's club marks and yeah, yeah. Um, assessment marks that get you to that level. A guy took it upon himself to post the video that why this wasn't a yellow card. He didn't post where the referee's position was. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't a human error. He didn't... He just said, why wasn't this a yellow card? Bring it out. Trying to call... It was because... Obviously, the mitigating circumstances, his son was tackled. Right. And it was pulled apart. The next day, he writes up a post, a big post about, I have respect for referees. I'm a referee. I've had abuse. But the day before, you're taking the referee's decision to social media. 
right? Referees, we know what it's like in the Premier League. Referees are up for the catch at the moment. No one talks about Nunez's open goal miss header. Yeah. That would have most probably netted the club if they'd won the game a lot more money. Um, they talk about the referee's decision. Now, this guy's taking it at grassroots level. He's a referee and knows what abuse. He knows people are joining the bandwagon. I've seen that people have joined the bandwagon. I wouldn't say just fitness is a problem. We've got to get to the next level. I need to get a certain amount of club marks. I need to get so much support. When you've got people that are part of a club, like Laxey trying to have an influence on your decisions, you're going to hamper the career of a younger referee. And my personal thing is I would like to call out Jason Hill as a referee, and he's a referee, and say, you've stated on Facebook that you are a match official. I've not seen your name down yep. on any sheet this season or last season. Come and do a season and see how hard it is to get every decision right on your own. Because the referee in question had had a belting game, got great marks. He's one of the top new referees this season, but he's tried to hamper him by a decision, like one decision. Not the fact that the young lad that's running through and goes doesn't get his head up or doesn't look for anyone around him first or check over his shoulder if someone's coming. You know, which little things in footy, but takes that opportunity and then de- tries to defend what he's said and poor by, oh, the laws this, the laws of that. Yes, there are laws of the game, which is most probably more important than fitness. It's great being in that position. But yep. if you don't know the laws of the game, You've got to be both ways. You can have I I could be the fixed referee on the island, but if I don't know the laws of the game, I'm the worst referee on the island. So it's it's an even balance. But I would like to see Jason Hill come out and offer because he did put Paul Hodgkinson's email address and try and get other referees. But if he's going to put up comments about a referee and then retract and try and defend whilst getting a bandwagon, could he please come out? for a season and referee and for a full season at senior level and see how difficult it actually is to get every single decision right. Well, it's, it's me. I, I've done it and I, I've, I've, done it for a, I've done it for a season and a half and I know how difficult it is. And people called me out because I, I put, when I do a match report, I put a ref review in it. Mm. But I put a post out a couple of weeks ago. I know you've seen it. I know yeah. a lot of people have seen it and a lot of people actually turned around to me and said, so you've been there you've done it, you obviously aren't doing it anymore, because I am doing this stuff, I'm yeah. out every week watching games, you know, but the way I score a game is off the chart that the FA put out, Yeah, and it's how clubs score should score people. Yeah. So if I give you a rating between 60 and 70, there's a description of why I've given you that, yeah. and if I think I'm below, if you're towards the bottom end of that or towards the top end, and I think that's fair enough, and people appreciate that, because it's not, I'm not given the referee stick there I'm yeah. not personally I am just rating them against the system that yeah. the FA have provided clubs with to score referees on and do you know what the amount of people from clubs that have said to me I didn't know that's how you rate a referee no and it, that's, it's that's the thing that doesn't come across and that's why I brought up about Jason Hill's comment yeah. on Facebook and it's on a laxi page which I was personally disappointed about yeah and um, I spoke with people about it I'm happy to say I spoke to the FA about it because I didn't think it was fair that a new referee, I'm not bothered about myself. I can take whatever. But you're trying to encourage people to stay in the game. Yeah, because obviously people tell him about my career and what a dickhead I was. Yeah. And I was, and I'm openly, I don't, I'm not going to shy away from how I was as a player. But as a referee, 
I'm not a hypocrite. I will come onto the other side. I will show, listen, I'm giving back to the game. I have players saying things to me at weeks, and you deal with it. It's water off a duck's back. The level of abuse that he talks about, the horrendous abuse he's got, come and get it weekly. Come and do it weekly. This young lad has taken up his time. I don't know the lad personally. He's taken up his time. Let's come and see it. Let's see what you can offer. Since you've said, oh, I'm a referee, but you've called him out, and you know you don't want abuse, Come out and do it. Yeah. I'm making an open offer. Someone from Laxey is going to put it in their group because I know he's in it and say, listen, since you said that, this referee has come out and said, I want you to do it. Yeah. I would like him to do it because personally, I think I don't like referees being called out because we're short of them. Yep. And I think I think we've made a good a good little yeah. start on getting new people in this We year. have. And I'll tell you something. What an intake it's been this year. There's some great lads. I, I'll be honest, personally, I follow the rabies. I think getting them involved, Caleb, Aaron, brilliant lads, top lads. And I've, I've, I've heard, I've I've heard good reports. Really, absolutely fantastic. You've got a great example there. You've got a great example in Ollie, and people it's, it's people might not like him. As a player, I don't like any referee. Never liked the referee. I come off, I'm on the other side. You listen to what they go through, I go through now. And watching the steps that Ollie's taken, the hard work, he dedication he's put in. But we've got a great support network. Kev Maitland, absolute Kev Maitland, most probably two, three, four, five, six years ago would have pissed on me if I was burned. And that was my opinion. He would yeah. never talk to me. But see, I've met Kev now. I never knew Kev, but I made an opinion. Tony Metman, I made an opinion to make an opinion. I'm a part of these, and I've got. A, I know for a fact I've got a great support network in the FA. If I want to speak, I go speak to Kay Simon Elson. I can go speak to anyone in there in any one time. I've got Kev Maitland, who's always there if, you, if you've had a good game, bad game. He will. The FA, the FA will miss Kev. The FA I think the FA and the refs will miss Kev when he goes in June. Hundred percent. Kev's brilliant. You don't see half work Kev does behind the scenes. Like I obviously. If I'm dealing with the FA or I'm speaking to the FA, I always go through Kate or Kevin, and, yeah. and you know we always have a good chat. And it, it, it's interesting the work he does. And we've mate. got the referee society. Yeah. Now a lot of referees don't join that. Now the referee society is brilliant because there's decisions I've made in the game that they bring up and they'll talk. Oh, I had this. What do you think? And maybe I won't open my mouth and say, "Shit, I did that." But then you know for the next game because it's a part of the law you don't read because if you read the laws of the game, I got into a health and safety. Oh my God, you just go through oh, it. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. It's a, I, think, I think the IFAB book's about 200 odd pages, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's mental. And, but listening to other referees, different levels, all different, but on the same shit every week. And I've had, I've been lucky to have Paul Hodgkinson championship line. What better experience you want than a guy that does it for a living? Helping you. He doesn't ever, there's, I don't think I've ever heard him criticise a decision or anything. It's always how you can improve. He wants people to improve. He wants to develop. Younger refs bringing in. He's got the older refs. He gets everyone involved. It's not just aimed at certain section. He brings everyone in. Peter Greenall down and Mark Thomas from the society. Peter Greenall, the time he's taken out of football to help me out when I went through losing my dad just to give me pointers yeah, yeah. and help, help me out build my team talk for life. Absolutely fantastic. You don't realise what the being on the other side offers. No, and I, I have had another question in, and they want to remain anonymous, but <laughs> it goes on about the referees, and it just says, it's more about the appointments of referees, and it's like, 
is it the people that suck up to the people at the top that get the best appointments? No. I, I personally, I, well, I know for a fact it's not because you've got to be done on levels, haven't you? Yeah. And what games you get? The games, but, are, games are on as levels and it's what you offer. Yeah. Because if, if you're having a rough time, and, that, and let's be honest, it's, look, we've all had games like that when we've played. It's, if I was shit for three games in a row and go, Palmer's going to say, listen, mate, I'm going to have to take that firing line, you shit. Yeah. It's how football goes. If you're a referee and you have three bad games, you're going to have to get taken out of the firing line. You're going to have to be, it's, you're not all, you can't, you can't just turn around and have three bad games and then go on top game of the season. They are going to protect. You might have trouble in one game. You might have a bad mark at one game. Yep. You might keep away. The, the, the decision behind games, behind the back, there's more to it than everyone thinks. It's the worst job in the world. Yeah. Culture man, because you're never going to please everybody. But it's nothing to do, it's definitely nothing to do with kissing ass because I've gone from being on the top game in the first division, then get put to the second division. I can end up on a comedy. You can end up, you get to levels. Where your levels are going to keep you in them positions. Like going for level four now, you have to do so many in the top division yeah. in your area. So I will get a lot more first division this year than I got last year because that level, because they're wanting you to get better. People start off in the second division. Personally, I think people get trapped quick. I thought, I thought people move quick, but that's how well they do. Yeah, it has nothing to do with because I think you never see anyone in the office. I think getting hold of Kev when he's involved with meetings with the FA is is non-existent. But when you do, he's always helpful. But he's busy; he's got a yep. job at the same time as doing refereeing. It takes up making the referee appointments takes up most of his life because he has to make sure. The other thing they have to make sure is that you're not multiple refereeing the same club over and over again. Then you've got to take into account playing for the club. Yeah. You've got to keep them away for so long and all things. Then you've got the cup competitions, keeping them free for that. And there's there's a bigger process behind it, but it's it's when they say it's favouritism and things like that, I'm not being funny. If you see me as a player, there ain't no favouritism. Oh, that's one there, of them, mate. One of them. So, right, yeah. we'll wrap this up, Rob. For anyone that's not listened before, this is our Select 7 feature. So this is your ultimate 7 aside Banks footy team. With this, Obviously, I've asked you to pick three players that no longer play on a Saturday, three players that are still playing on a Saturday, a goalkeeper who can be either playing on a Saturday or not playing anymore, and a manager. So start off with your goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, right, I struggled with this one. I was a t- I got torn between two, and my first one that came to my head was Dan Wade, because I love Dan Wade. Yep. Dan Wade was, he was quality goalkeeper, and he was a gentle giant. He was, he was so good in net. Great off the pick, great laugh. And then I got thinking. And one lad that's always stuck out to me, who I would personally say is the best goal, best young goalkeeper I've ever seen. Yeah. And every season he played was the best goalkeeper I've seen. I didn't care who was in it. If he came back playing now, he'd be FC Alamander's number one. So I'm picking Sam Holiday. What a keeper. (laughs) Absolute lunatic, by the way. Absolute lunatic on the pitch. If he came back today, he'd be Ireland's FC Ireland. I, I I know Sam personally. Obviously, I coached him uh, when I was at Old Boys, but what a guy Sam is. So that's your goalkeeper. Okay, yeah. Sam. Absolute. He's, I, I think he's, he's two clubs I think he's ever played for. He's played for Old Boys and he's played for St. Mary's because he had a couple of seasons. The other season or two seasons there? He had, the I league. think, yeah, he, he went to St. Mary's and then, and then come back to Old Boys. 
So that's Sam. Right, so I'll go now because Sam obviously... Well, I don't know if you class him as playing or not playing anymore because he's still signed on at All Boys. He's had a couple of games this year, but he's not really playing. He's got family commitments and work stuff. So I'll go with your first retired player. My first retired player at centre-back. Right. Haven't heard from him in years. Don McGreevy from Peel. What oh, guy? He was... He was a beast, wasn't he, at the back down? I hate playing against him. I hate corners against him. Obviously, nine foot seven, three foot three. Yeah. It was, but he was a great player. He was, he was so good. Such a good player. Yeah. And a, a great guy. He's foreman for Hartford Homes and I've known him off the field as well. Yeah. So, so that's it. So you've got Sam and Don. Who's your f- first player, outfield player, that's still playing? Jordan Himmick, centre-back. And I would say the best centre-back that I've played behind and watch Sean Quay. Another one. Another one, yeah. Still playing. I don't know how Quay's still going, to be honest. Like the man's had a fair few injuries in his time. He's he's had his ups, he's had his downs, and he still manages to turn up every week for St. George's. So that's that's quality. So now we'll move on. Who's your next retired player? My next retired player. Um well, I was going to put. I had like a midfield picked out. Yeah, had him had him wide out on the right because I couldn't put him up with the other one. Was Pecker? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, if you if you're playing Pecker in there, you know he's goal machine. But if you're playing him in there, you're playing him in there. It's your switching around and bring him back. Well, yeah, you can play him where he wants. I know. I know he did play a couple of games at the start of the season, but I think he's he's sacked Saturday football off now, so that's that's gone for him. So, who's your next current player? And he would go out on the left, Chris Bass Jr. Again, what a player! What a, what a player! I don't think you're going to get a better player than him that's been on the Alamar. No, he's 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 so he was so good. I know he's had his knee injury and stuff like over this year, and that's got nothing to do with his height. No, no. I just want to put it out there, and I'm a lot taller than him. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Bass will listen to that. I'm sure he'll he'll love that. Um, so we'll move on. Who's your next and final retired player? Well, I put him up front because he was unplayable at the time. Callum Morrison. The Shire. He was unreal. A party animal. But he was so good. Anything he did. Like, he was a powerhouse. His head, volley, left foot, right foot. You were technically, you know what? He was technically gifted, but he was so strong as well. Like, Morrissey, he's he's always been like that, hasn't he? You know, he's just a unit and he always knew where the net was. Yeah. But do you know what I think Callum Morrissey's best quality is? How he winds people up. Oh, yeah. He, he, what he he could wind the most placid man in the world. Up, and that's the thing. Winding players up, getting in their heads, throws them off their game. And he had that quality. Yeah. And he was just all round. I think he got, I remember years ago, we got the AFC Wimbledon off them, a contract. Can't he was he's like, offered somewhere. But it's too much. You know, it's a lot. Of he has the family yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, he was brilliant. But there's another player there that would have back in the day just walked in like Seattle. Well, yeah, he was. He was. Him and Pecker were both in there yeah. at the start, weren't they? When I think Senior was managing them, yeah. him and Pecker were. I think they both. I can't remember if they both played in the initial game. I think they might have. But yeah, they, he was there. He's definitely there. And, and as well, like you talk the players that you mentioned here as well. All Ireland caps as well, you know. They've all played for the Isle of Man national yeah. team and represented them. I think Pecke, I think Quay went out, didn't he? When they all yeah. represented England, I know Sam did as one yeah. of the keepers. So yeah. So who's your final player, Rob? That's currently still final playing? one who, who captain team. That's Robbie Ward. What? 
Fair enough. I would honestly... Wand of a left foot. Mate, I used to be petrified when he picked the ball. When I played against him, it was great being behind him. But see, being in front of him, it was a free kick. I'd always say directly, don't have a free kick around the edge of the box. Robbie Ward was a ping it. And he's so lethal from anywhere with it. And I remember it was the, the semi-finals of the cup, the FA Cup, that my last game for Laxey, I got in the final. And it was like extra time or something. And I saved a shot from Robbie Ward. And he was like, praised me how good. I didn't have a clue what happened. Yeah. I honestly just threw my ball. Threw yourself at a ball. And I couldn't, I went, yeah, yeah, it was great. And I was like, I didn't know what happened. Yeah. And I saved it. And I think that's the first time that I'm glad I'm not facing that again. Yeah. Because he was, and what he does for all boys, from the start when I first came onto the Isle of Man, he was a great guy and he was a great player then. And he's just kept it through. He's kept, I, I know when all boys are struggling, Robbie, like I was yeah, there, Robbie was managed. He was a big driving force behind and it. it. And I watched, I, I spoke to him. Do you know what? I spoke to him. And it was like an off-the-cuff. I can't remember where it was. I talked to him. And he was on about the island. And he'd gone away. And they weren't allowed to drink. And he went and had a few drinks. And do you know what? That was just Robbie Ward. Listen, I can still do this after I'm doing it. The old school footballer that would... But he was still so passionate. And he's still so passionate about this game. He loves old boys. You ref him. He plays. He doesn't care who's refing him. He doesn't care who's playing against. He's there to win. He's a battler. He gives shit all game. He will he'll yep. kick and everything. And off that gate, he'll sit and have a chat with you. He'll say, oh, I don't think it. And he will talk to you. You'll see him out. He'll have a laugh with you. He's a great. I had him, in, luckily, to, in the, the vets as well, playing. And even in the vets, his, his passion for football from start to finish oh, could drive any team forward. And I think a lot of the driving force in behind old boys is Robbie Wood. And he's a great, for, for a young player, is by the players that I've named, if you watch them in their primal, watch them even towards the end of the career, they're the kind of players you want to follow in the footsteps of and be like. Yeah, and especially in Manx football. Yeah, the green players. And they, they all work. And seeing and the input that some of them have had on their clubs as well. Well, you look at Peck. I think Peck at the start of the season scored his 300th goal for St. Joe. Or Premier League goal. Because I think he got a couple for gyms, didn't he, back in the day? Yeah, that um, I said most of the things. Peck, obviously, Peck got them. Morrissey scored loads of goals. Quay has won numerous Grand Slam. Yeah. Like, all them players in there, I probably, Sam, Sam, Robbie, probably haven't won as much as the others, but that's... They but, still won, yeah, yeah they've, still, still, they've still won trophies, but I don't think they, they've won as much, but that just shows their dedication to the club they, they were off, at. It's the mentality they offer. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you watch Robbie Ward now, Robbie Ward is the type of person that in his six, 65 years old sat at home and old boys were short, It'd be first off his seat. Well, you look at his dad. His dad. His dad. I think his dad's in his mid to late fifties, and his dad. I think his dad's played every year for about the past ten <laughs> years. And it, it, you know, former other goalkeeper, he's still throwing himself in the sticks. It's just it's absolutely mental, mate. No, so Slinger, that's your team. Who's managing it? Gonna have to go back to the 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 dad of Mike Sporty, and that, and that's the greatest manager of Mike Sporty, and it's Chris Passini. And you know what? I I. We don't even need to say anything about them, do we? we everyone knows Chris Bassini yet. Yeah. That's it. Line drawn under, job done. So that's your team. Thanks for your time today, Slinger. Right. Um, before we go, have you got a message to anyone that wants to get into refereeing? Then? Do you know what? I would, I would challenge anyone to do it because whether you're my age, you actually don't realise how close you are to becoming a professional. Now, all these, there are kids that are coming into senior football that aren't going to get played in Division 2 comedy. Yeah. They'll want to be a part of football. 
there are kids in Division Division 1 that are coming to an end. There's young lads, there's old lads that aren't going to get the career that they thought when they're running around with Lionel Messi on the back of their shirts. I used to do the same. I used to think I was going to be the big goalkeeper. Well, obviously not big, but a goalkeeper. A I mean, goalkeeper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At some point, whether it was in the Sabutio or it was in yeah. the professional ranks. And I didn't get that opportunity. Now, <clears throat> my progression now into level four takes me into the, the county leagues. You're not far off. You're literally a promotion level three, a level three in a certain part. You can be an assistant assistant in the football league. You've got the women's routes. It'd be great to see more women referees. It really would. We have Jane and she's doing a fantastic job. It'd be, I want to see her personally do a senior men's final because that's another stepping stone. Of the I don't know of a female referee. Ref, There's not one on the Alabama. Definitely not one on the Alabama. Let's get it going. And let's have an ambassador for female football referees on the Isle of Man. And there's, you've got the prime example there. You've got referees coming through now that want to get to level four. Tom Halliwell, massive. He could go a lot further than I ever will. Because of his age, he's, the age is a massive thing. The younger they get involved, the further they can go. You, if you look at the pyramid and you look at the, the, the track to your achievements, you are literally not that far off professional. And how even the better we have the opportunity on the Isle of Man of having a linesman from the championship being a part of us and helping us progress. He's trying to progress the match forward, trying to progress referees. Yeah. Like I said, we're not out to ruin games. We're not here. If we miss a tackle, I had Jason Hill, we're not going to, we're not perfect. We miss a foul. We miss something, but we're supposed to watch 22 men, but 22 men only have one job to watch one ball, but we're in the wrong we don't have, we get booed and everything, but it's how you communicate. That's yeah. the main thing. Communication is key. Now, the abuse, if you watch this and they say, oh, I don't want to do refereeing because of the abuse, it's how you deal with it. It's how you match the game. If you're a referee that regimentally rules the roost and won't talk to players, they're going to get their backs up. It's like having an argument with your missus. You want to know why she's not talking to you. You go and challenge her. That's what's going to happen with the referee. You're going to get chance for the suit. Explain it. You know the laws. You know what you've got. Explain it and go. Get the games on. And I would, anyone, hey, you know what a player I was. I'm doing it. Yeah. It's, it has its difficult patches, but I'll be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. It's easy. It, games for These players ref themselves. You put with, it's mainly widening. That's all it is. And if you've got a kid, you can, you it's, a, it's, a break, it's a it's a break from them on a Saturday, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the main thing, you know. yeah. But no, I, I'd recommend anyone, and if you've got sons, daughters that want to be involved with refereeing, they've got a, a channel to follow. And it is, if they have the dream of being a professional, this is a way to be a part of it within the game. Yeah, you're going to be on the back pages of the papers for disagreeing with VAR, but. You it's what it is, isn't it, mate? It is what it is. We're not, well, we're not all going to get there. But no, but no. I'd, I'd encourage anybody to do it. Nice one. All right, Slinger, cheers for your time, mate. No problem, mate. And I'm sure I'll catch up with you soon. Definitely, mate. All right, cheers, Slinger. Cheers.